still there? Or I'm still have you here. already given up? I, I'm already <laughs> doing I'm doing field research for today's episode right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to hear the bottle quick in the background. <laughs> um <laughs> So you might not know what we're going to be talking about. So here we go. Uh, we won't get into the discussion how we came into today's topic because it's kind of Las Vegasy. But the topic is about libations around the world or alcohol. Um, mostly interesting stories involving alcohol. Um, and since we're talking alcohol, ninety nine percent of the time when we do this podcast, we're kind of very very much a family kind of thing. However, if you are underage or listen with your younger ones, this may be the podcast you want to skip um, and listen to some of our older ones. Um, I suggest you listen to our Florence podcast with my buddy, Sean. He just raves about Florence. That's just one of our many great ones. Um, and again, before I get too far, this is the Meet Us in Paris podcast, the podcast about all things travel, be it destinations, food, having an amazing time or what to pack for your next trip. And with me today to talk about our alcohol vacation, drinking vacations, are my co-hosts, uh, as you guys heard earlier, Lee and Emily. Hello. Top of the morning, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think it, of something Irish or something. It's five o'clock somewhere. You <laughs> And before we get in on our special alcohol stories, um, we're going to have a short message from our sponsor. The events of 2020 have shaken the world and impacted our lives. But fearlessness is the mother of reinvention. Change your career. Prepare for a promotion. Start a new business with our fully online professional certificate programs. Available anywhere, anytime to fill your busy schedule. Find out more at ce.uci.edu. Once again, ce.uci.edu. With adversity comes great strength. Find yours with us at the University of California, Irvine, Division of Continuing Education. Okay, so if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, um, you know, a long time ago, before Lee and Emily were with us. Whoa. We actually did a podcast about um, the different drinks that we've encountered. Um, I could tell you about a Miyafi one of these days. Mm -hmm. um, but today it's a little different. This is about the drinks we've encountered and the experience we've experiences we've had imbibing them. Um, so it's the experience, you know, we're not talking about the destination. We're talking about the journey this time. So um, my first or does anyone else want to go first? You start us off, then. <clears throat> I kind of wanted to hear Lee, but um... <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll start us off with okay. I'll start us off with the okay, intellectual sort of thing before we get down in the in the trenches. Raise so, the bar. <laughs> raise the bar for the bar. Um, so one of my no, I, I I love to travel, and one of my most interesting experiences was when I was in Japan. 
and um, did a couple of sake tours. Now, sake is produced like wine, different regions and things have different styles. Um, And I was really lucky because I happened to be in Kobe, which is in the Hyogo uh, prefecture, where one third of all of the sake comes from like this area. Part of it's because, you know, the water's really good and it's near a port, so you can ship it to Tokyo. Um, And what's interesting that I didn't realize is that there's not only are there different styles, and of course, just like wine, they'll talk about things with having a a sweet aroma or pumpkin-like notes or (laughs) just a hint of of grassy flavors, Um, but there's actually a, a genderness to it. Um, and so a lot of the, the sake that comes from this area tends to be dry, which is attributed to being more masculine. Whereas if you're in the Fushimi part, um, over in Kyoto, not so far away, there, in which they're the biggest brewer on earth is there, um, theirs tends to be more fragrant and elegant and sweeter, which they attribute to being more feminine. Hmm. So, um, so, yeah, so just that, that cultural kind of element and how, like, literally, you know, they'll, you know, you'll have dry versus sweet and all of those types of things. So That's quite are. educational. I've never heard of yeah. the feminine or masculine, female, male, um, I guess, notes or attributes for alcohol. So interesting. Yeah. And just the way you do, you know, some of it is, is meant to be consumed warm, which if you, you know, if you remember back when we, we used to go out for you know sushi, some of it's meant to be served warm and some of it's meant to be served cooler. Not unlike, you know, once again, when I thought about it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of like wine. Well, not warm, warm, but room temperature versus chilled. Um, <laughs> warm wine. Then, yeah. And if you're looking for one that goes great with fish, you want to go with Miyagi. <laughs> so, or, um, but yeah, they'll, they'll do pairings with different types of foods and which ones have more of a rice flavor, things like that. So, yeah, so sake tasting and uh, regional sake tasting. Cool. That's really cool. So, um, there, there's our one bit of class for the kids who are listening. There's your educational piece. <laughs> I, I was expecting something sordid, but I'll take that. Well, since we're talking about alcohol, I, I'll t- save my story story for a little bit later. But um, so one of the things that since you're talking about Japan, um, what a lot of people don't know is that in Japan, um, they make fabulous whiskeys. Um, the uh, the Japanese, one of the things that Japanese are always, I've always thought about them is they take something and they tend and they make it better. So like they weren't the, the country to, uh, to invent the transistor radio, but they figured out how to make them really, really good and inexpensive. Um, and then they created things like the Walkman. They made them smaller. And so the, the Japanese is a country of never ending excellence. They're always trying to make things better, better, better. Um, what I might suggest is um, one of my favorite whiskeys is something called Suntory Hibiki whiskey. Mm. Have you guys had this? Mm-mm. Do they have it at Trader Joe's? <laughs> I love it. I feel yeah. like we've talked about whiskey and then there is some special whiskey that you can sometimes find at Trader Joe's, but I don't know if this is the one. 
Um, sometimes you can co- find um, it's like called coffee, C O F F E E, or co- coffee with a Y. I think it has a Y at the end. Um, and uh, they do have Japanese whiskeys. On a rare occasion, you can find hibiki there. Um, I usually I drink scotches typically, but the hibiki is really, really, really smooth, and it goes it blends very, very well. I mean, I like it on ice, which is very unusual. I usually drink scotches neat. Um, but the the story is that the Japanese years ago managed to get a lot of um, they got advice and started distilleries. Um, and their whiskeys are based off of Scottish whiskeys. And they just kept on refining them and refining and refining them. And they just became um, like to a different level. So that the reason why they call it coffee whiskey is apparently it's from a coffee still. Not like mm. the coffee beans, but there's a certain type of still named coffee and it's a more traditional um scottish way a scottish kind of traditional still Mm -hmm. um it is japanese whiskeys have become so popular some of the things i used to be able to get like 10 years ago were used to be 30 bucks now the bottles are becoming like over a hundred dollars yeah and they're not even um dated so sometimes, like, if you try to find a Habiki, which is a blend, and it doesn't have any um, date, which means not five years or ten years old, they're getting to the point where they're, like, um, up to – can be up to $100. Um, and uh, it's only getting worse. So, like, the stuff – because they didn't expect this explosion. And so it's almost impossible to get, like, a 20-year or anything older than that. And those can be in the thousands. But the Hibiki Harmony, some every every once in a while, you can find it at like Costco for like fifty bucks or something like that. Um, also, which makes another interesting thing is that Suntory, with their success of um, their whiskeys, they started to diversify, and they make a fabulous um, vodka. Mm, um, and cool. I believe that their vodka. Um, hang on, let me. Uh, the Centauri Vodka, uh, what's the name again, um, is called Haku. And I believe Haku is made from rice. So huh. um, they could be made from potatoes. They could be made from grains. But I believe the Haku Japanese Vodka is made from rice. And it's a very, very, very smooth um, vodka. Um, which can be drank by itself. I, you're kind of wasting it if you're blending it with other <laughs> types. Um, and then the last one is um, Suntory. Uh, if you know what gin is, gin uh-huh. is essentially vodka that has been infused with different types of, <clears throat> pardon me, um, with uh, botanicals. Uh-huh. So like a typical one will have juniper, and um, those types of flavors. Well, um, Suntory has decided that they were going to use um, Japanese botanicals. So they use things like yuzu. Are you familiar with yuzu? Yuzu is like yuzu a awesome. Japanese. Yeah, it's like a Japanese citrus. Um, and they use, I forget, they use some 
botanicals that are uniquely Japanese um, that are local botanicals. And it's just amazing. And the bottles are really, really pretty too. And those are very uh, affordable bottles of uh, drinks. So give some Japanese whiskeys, gins, and vodkas some, a try sometime. Hmm. That's a, that was so educational. The gin <laughs> I'm almost certain the gin and the vodka can be found at Trader Joe's. So cool, accessible. Yeah, um, man, I'm like I have no educational services to provide <laughs> to this conversation, but I guess something that's like along the line. So I chose. I have a couple things like personal experience that I'll talk about once we start talking about those. But there's one thing that I've always wanted to try an experience and it's the malibu wine safaris have you what is this have you guys heard of it no no okay i am surprised because i feel like at least lee maybe (laughs) might have heard of it Um, (laughs) but the idea is so right now they're closed because of covid but it's a wine safari. So you think like zoo safari mixed with like a wine tour and it's like a hybrid of those two. So it's in Malibu, California. So it's pretty local to us. Um, but you basically go, they have like a whole bunch of different packages depending on like how big your party is. If you want to like have a lunch with the wine or if you, there's a bunch of different options you can go with. So I think tickets range from like to upwards of like 200 depending how extravagant you want to go but basically you go there and it's on a thousand acre saddle rock ranch and vineyard in malibu and you get into these open air safari vehicles and then you just drive around the ranch where in addition to tasting wine you also get to see some animals so you get to see some zebras water buffalo, alpacas, bison, and even giraffe. And you get to feed the giraffe too. I don't know if you get to feed everyone else, but <laughs> they'll give you like like pellets or whatever the giraffes eat. <laughs> eat them. Um, so it, this looks really fun because animals and also wine. And in California, you don't have to go all the way up to NorCal. It's just right here. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Best zoo adventure ever. Right? <laughs> it sounds awesome. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> well, it sounds like the perfect field trip. Like, it sounds like the field trip for grownups. Literally. Yes. Like, okay, we're going to go to the zoo. Get your permission slips. Find your buddy. <laughs> and we're going to go to the zoo. And here's your booze. Did everybody oh get their booze? Oh, sign me up. I will be the, I will be the, the designated grownup for that one. Well, okay, since we're going to stick with, you know, this educational theme, um, I'm going to take us to a bit of history, and that will be to the country of Ireland. And I had the the blessing and the challenge of being in Ireland back in when they were celebrating the um, the 100-year anniversary of the Easter Revolution, yeah, Revolution, uh, which was awesome, super cool, except that was, and it was right in between um, St. Patrick's Day and Easter, Super cool, no problem, until I'm there on Good Friday. And one of the things that happens on Good Friday is no liquor is sold in the country. Ooh. And this is, 
Yeah, in whole in country. Ireland. Yeah. Wow. In, okay. In <laughs> Ireland. Now, um, which caught me by surprise. Not that I was really there, you know, to to get my drink on, but it was just so funny because I was it, I was in a bar on Thursday and people were just like buying, 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 and they're like, "That's because of tomorrow's Good Friday." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm a lapsed Catholic. I get it. You know, we're not supposed to do the the, the bad things." And they're like, "No, everything's closed." And they were right. Now, if anyone's been to Dublin into Temple Bar, or if you haven't been there, imagine New Orleans and Mardi Gras, and that's Temple Bar District. Except on Good Friday, it's a ghost town. There was nobody around. And I'm I'm like, was curious about this. Uh, and it comes from the Intoxicating Liquor Act, which was back over 90 years ago, and in the which basically banned alcohol all drinking for three days, Christmas, St. Patrick's Day, and Good Friday. The reason being is you should be reflecting in prayer and in, in resting. Well, in 1960, St. Patrick's Day got liberated from that act. <laughs> and there have been celebrations ever since. And no one's really going to enforce stuff on Christmas. Um, now, don't forget, this is not to be confused with any, like the good, it has nothing to do with the Good Friday um, agreement that was settled with Belfast in Belfast in 1998, which was, you know, ended the, you know, the troubles between England and, and the or British and the Irish. Um, but it actually comes from, you know, it, it was, it was crazy. Um, so there were some exceptions. Now, People were telling me you could buy alcohol at airports, train stations. Um, if you had a ticket that was, you were going, you had to be going at least 10 miles away from the station. You could also buy alcohol. <laughs> I know, so you couldn't just like, I'm just going to go to the next stop and buy myself a beer. You could also buy alcohol in a hotel, but they literally had armed guards at the door and you had to show your hotel key in order to get in and out. Yeah. Wow. It was such a trip. Yeah. Serious. They were really serious. Like the Irish are serious about not drinking. Now I say that, but on Good Friday, I happened to be at a restaurant and I'm, you know, kind of chatting up a few people. And I talked to this one guy and it happened to be that, you know, he was Irish, but he had sister in in San Diego. And we're talking about Southern California, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, um, he asked the bartender for a piece of paper. He scribbles something down and he slides me this piece of paper. And and I said, and I look at it, and he goes, "If you're looking for a drink tonight, my dear," and I, I'm not even going to try to get an Irish accent. He's like, "Show this." He's like, "Go to this address after ten o'clock, and tell the guy at the door that Mickey sent you." He said, "And they'll let you in for a pint, pint or two. And sure enough, like literally, it was this kind of speakeasy where you could get alcohol on Good Friday because nothing was being served. Um, I didn't take him up on it because my flight was actually in the middle of the night. Um, and the last thing I needed was to build, you know, miss my flight home because I was, you know, imbibing in the local culture. Um, but if you're seeking to go to Ireland now or you're going to hang out in Dublin and you're worried about, you know, getting caught up in this, don't worry because it was actually overruled in, tw- in 2018. So now you can buy your booze on Good Friday and tip a pint and drink it. And drink it. But yeah, Instead that was the day before. <laughs> yeah. It was, I, I had no idea, none. So, so there you are. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Reality must have set in is like, if everyone's buying it the day before anyways and drinking it, everyone's smart to it. You know, 
we're just causing a different type of problem. (laughs) It was, it was just like, I was watching people just walking, carrying like cases of alcohol. It was, it was so crazy, but yeah, you know, then, but, and they all realized it was kind of a silly thing, you know, because the pubs were closed. I mean, and yeah, to see a place like Temple Bar completely dead, they're like, there's a loss of revenue. And that's how they got it overturned. It's like, it's a loss of revenue. You know, it's not that we're stopping anything. The church people still go into church, just give them something to do afterwards. Nice. Um, I'm going to talk about a drinking story. So, uh, this isn't like a terrible one, but the thing is that as a father, I have not had a lot of an opportunity to drink. I used to partake a lot when I was younger, but as an adult, as, as a father, it's just like, okay, it's just not worth it. And when we go on vacation, I still don't think it's worth it because um, even if I'm not driving, just because it's like I like to be two things in other countries. You want to be representative of a good American. Um, you don't want to have people think negatively about Americans. Number two is just like, it's a safety thing. Um, and then also it's like, if I'm somewhere else in another country and I'm paying good money to be in another country to learn about it, I'd rather not be sleeping, um, in, in the, throughout the afternoon, um, in, a having too many beers. Um, that being said, the one time I have been able to find time to drink is, um, comic book conventions. <laughs> so here's the thing is that lots of times um, my wife and I and my daughter will actually go get hotel rooms in San Diego or wherever the convention might be. And in the past, we I have had the opportunity where my wife is stuck where she's like, uh, at the last second, it's like, I can't make it out on Friday or Thursday. I have to stay at work. And I'm like, well, we have a hotel room. She goes, I, I can't make it. Maybe I can come tonight, but I can't come during the day. And I'm like, well, geez, I'm going to take a train down there and take advantage of our hotel room. And the great thing about when you're at a Comic-Con, now here's a couple things. Um, a, it's safety in numbers, right? You're not going to get mugged in with 50,000 of your best friends. You know, it's, it's just not happening during the day. Number two, nothing makes you reevaluate life like a few beers and watching a bunch of people dressed up as comic book characters. <laughs> I got so blitzed with Goofy, you had no idea. I mean, uh, it's just like when you have, when you have a few drinks and you're, and you're watching a, an adult man dressed up as an Ewok walking by. <laughs> it just gives you complete new perspective. And it's just like, wow. You know, it's like, what? In the, and, and it really makes, and the thing is you get to relax. It, you get, it just makes it really enjoyable. So I have been known to go to conventions and have a few because it really, really completely makes it a completely different experience. So I highly suggest having one or two, three, possibly four um, while you're at the convention. <laughs> um, nothing launch, like watching Keanu Reeves talk and having a few and like, wow, getting in the spirit of things. This is why people <laughs> drink at ball games, right? This is my mm-hmm. equivalent to the Super Bowl. So, Oh, I love it. Oh my god, the Ewok. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Or or just some of the people this anyways, it's just like 
is that an Iron Man suit made out of constru- you know, like cardboard construction paper? Um, a for well, no, not even A for effort. C for effort. C for effort. C for effort. Yeah. C for yeah. effort. A for entertainment. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just like it's you know it. Uh, you know what? Have you when you guys are in France? You know how like all the cafes and all the bars, mm-hmm. all the seats are pointing towards the street. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my God! Find a bar that has seats that are pointing towards the street and just watch people go by. It is the best time you'll ever have during the <laughs> oh convention. Oh my gosh. I, this, I'm, I'm just imagining the drunken selfies. Like, oh. literally. literally. Oh, like, at that- night, it's even crazier. So, <laughs> you, you, at night, I mean, we I don't go at night, but you go out at night, it's like, oh, that's okay. You know, so. Okay, so... That's as sorted as it gets, but I mean, I I gotta say, it is a very interesting time to go to any convention, have a few beers, watch people watch, and or a scotch or whatever might have you, and it is just the most amazing time you'll ever have. Love it. <laughs> okay, I'm up, man. I haven't heard any. I've yet to hear a crazy, crazy story, and I, <laughs> I was looking forward to something Lee would share, maybe. She'll do it the next round. Um, maybe I'll start off with my crazy quote unquote story of the two that I have. Um, so I might have talked about this on a previous episode. I can't remember what the topic was, but it was when I was in Greece in Santorini. So just to preface, uh, my friends and I chose to go to Santorini kind of not like on a whim it was part of my friend's um like graduation college graduation trip and so she had chosen Santorini with kind of just wanted to go to one of the Greek islands um we wanted to go to more relax in a sense and I think that's you go to Mykonos for that Santorini is where you go to party <laughs> um <laughs> so we went to Santorini and then we're we learned that it's more of the party island so we were like okay one night we'll go out and we'll take in the local culture and see what's going on so we went out and it's really hot in greece in the summer of course even at night but walking into bars in greece in the summer at night it's like it gets so much more hot and sweaty um so just that keep that in mind (laughs) so i was tired. We had spent the whole day doing adventure things. So I was kind of just going out just to be included. Didn't want to get FOMO. Um, <laughs> so I was out and we and we did some bar hopping, kind of went in, went out, went in, went out to a couple because they were just really crowded. And we wanted to be in a place that had some, you know, elbow space <laughs> so we could actually like enjoy the music and dance. So we ended up at this one bar. I can't remember what it was called, but um the waitress, um, bar maid, bartender, whoever walks around asking you what drinks you want. Um, so she came up to us, she asked us what we wanted to drink. And then we asked her what she had, like what kind of specials that bar had. And she pointed to the menu that was like right above us, uh, right above the door. So there were two specials. Um, one of them was, oh, I kind of, maybe this is kind of where a female or male 
thing comes into that Lee was talking about. Basically, there was like a female version of a shot and then there was a male version of a shot. Um, I can't remember what the female version was called, but we had that one first and it was sweeter, which was a really nice, um, I don't know, I expected it to be scary because it was like one pound or not one pound, one euro. <laughs> uh, I'm imagining density at one pound. I'm like, good Lord, that's not a shot, that's a meal. <laughs> I meant one euro. <laughs> um, it was like an, it was a cheap shot, but so we took that. It was kind of it went down more easily than I expected. So we were like, okay, let's try the male version. The male version was called because I remember this because it, we were all pretty freaked out. We weren't sure what we were going to get, but it was called. This is like the adults. I don't know. Kids, cover your ears. But it was called the fisherman's semen. Oh yeah. <laughs> And we were like, well, we tried the one euro female version. Let's try the two euro male (laughs) equivalent, I guess. It came, I don't know what we were expecting, but it came out obviously in shot glasses. But it was this clear alcohol. Um, So we thought it was vodka because that's just kind of where your mind goes when it's clear. But then there was this like, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, But there was this like, kind of like opaque creamy like drop that they put in there you know God, it's, it's getting worse yeah <laughs> um so i was like i i don't know do we take this we haven't paid for it yet technically <laughs> um and it's only two euros but so of course being you know i didn't want to get fomo again you know we were already there so we all took it it was so it was licorice which was oh. such a weird because obviously our minds were thinking vodka, so I was like prepared oh. for vodka, but it was black, like the black licorice, um, Sam- like sambuca. Yeah, sambuca. Yeah, yeah, sambuca. Yeah. So it was that, but I have no idea what that additional like creamy thing was, and I don't want to think about it because I don't know what they put in there. But that I was like after that I was done because my mind could not handle thinking about any more shots in in Santorini anymore. Oh. Yeah, something like a Sambuca sounds right from the location that you're at. So. Oh, I'm glad I know that now. I was I was still very confused. <laughs> the cream part, no idea. No so. idea. Oh, well, I can share one. I will share. I was gonna. You made me think of all of these vodka references made me think of when I was in Kamchatka, Russia. But I mean, the only thing I could say is like, you just, it's cheaper to buy vodka than water. <laughs> um, but if we're going to share personal experience, um, one I want to share is a wine tasting trip I was on in Paso Robles. And I was, I, I went with a guy I was dating at the time and he had said, you know, he wanted to visit a few wineries he had been to before. And okay, great. And, and, Thank goodness in the beginning, we I, I had set a clear guideline. I'm not joining any more than three wineries in a day or wine clubs because I know myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always after the sweet ones that I come home with too much port. But anyways, um, early in the day, we went to this one winery and uh, it, it was Tobin James. And to me, I always attributed them. I thought of them as like, you know, grocery store wines. You see their stuff everywhere. It's no big deal. Um, and it was packed. And we muscle our way to the back and there's this, this young kid pouring and, and all that. Um, and so uh, as he's pouring, you know, we, my, my boyfriend and I split a, a red tasting cause it's early in the day and, you know, moderation. So we do the red tasting and it's good. And, 
you know, as we're talking and I, I like this, you know, kind of, you know, Pinot Noir and he liked this sin, you know, the, the, the guy who was helping us, you know, he introduced himself. His name is Justin. He's like, okay, yeah, you know, why don't you try some of these? And he gives us some of the, you know, stuff that's not on the, the tasting menu. Okay. No problem. Loved it. And then, uh, as we were talking to him, He's like, oh, if you like that, you're really going to like these. And he start, he's like, we haven't even like released this yet. And he starts opening up bottles. I'm like, how much is this? And he's like, well, this one will probably be retailing for about 250 maybe $300. i am like, dude, let's not be opening up the good stuff. I don't want you to get in trouble. And he's like, no problem. Because meanwhile, he's pouring a little for himself, you know, quality control. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like 11 Those are the best. Yeah. And it's 11 in the morning. And I'm not kidding. And we're, and we're chatting with him. And he's super nice and gregarious. And, and because there are more than a hundred wineries in, um, in Paso. I really, if I find stuff I like, I always ask the folks who are pouring, okay, if I like these, where should I go next? Cause I want to go to, you know, where I like things. He goes, oh, you absolutely need to go to Toad Winery and they're based out of Australia. And let me call and make sure Katie's pouring. So he's, wow. (laughs) He makes sure that Katie's pouring, gives us directions, gives us about five other wineries. We go to Toad and, um, and this is like, you know, a distance away, we get there. And, you know, as we're, you know, sit there and Katie's like, how did you find us? You know, we are not one of the big wineries. Um, we're out in the middle of nowhere. And I said, oh, well, we were, we were, you were referred to us by, by a, a staff member at Tobin James. And she goes, oh, who was it? And I said, Justin. She goes, oh, Justin James. And I'm like, I never got his last name. And then I'm like, Justin James. I'm like, do you mean, she goes, yeah, Tobin's son. And I'm like, no wonder he wasn't worried. <laughs> Boy hooked us up. <laughs> so, wow. Needless to say, um, even five years later, I'm still in their wine club. Um, love it. I mean, I'm, I'm just always blown away with the stuff that they're producing, but I did not buy that wicked expensive bo- bottle, but I'm sure that he was fine. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I won't actually want to go back to Emily's thing for a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> The only reason I want to go back is um, I've mentioned before uh, one of my cousins was born and raised in Italy. So I spent a lot of time in Italy. Um, have you guys ever had Sambuca um, served to you in Italy by chance? Not in Italy. I don't I think, think so. I think it was a Greek captain once, but not in Italy. Wow. Okay. A Greek captain. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So when you go um, to Italy, and I don't know where else, but it's traditional to have your um, sambuca served with either three or seven, um, three or seven coffee beans. Mm, yes, oh. yes. Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. Okay. How about you? I have Emily? not. I don't know this. Okay. So you will get like, you know, it could be chilled or whatever, but usually it's in a clear glass and then they'll drop in three coffee beans. Um, The coffee beans, three or seven. Um, Traditionally, I, or at least in my experience, I've only seen it with three, but I hear it's, there could be seven. The reason why they put in seven is it represents the seven hills of Rome. Oh. Um. But if you do um, the more typical, which I've had, um, there's three coffee beans, and it represents health, happiness, and prosperity. There you go. Nice. 
I um, think I'll take the three versus the seven. I'd rather yeah. have the health and the happiness and the prosperity. The geography really means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Rome can keep their hills. We don't yeah. need them. <laughs> and I've always had it where um, it was flamed. So Ooh. they light it for a couple seconds just to give it a touch of warmth. Um, but you don't drink the coffee beans, of course, or eat the coffee beans. Or at least I didn't, so... Wait, Anyways. so good question, because I've never heard of this or seen this. So the coffee beans are inside of your drink, uh-huh. and then you take the shot, but then you spit out the coffee beans? Uh, you know or what, I just it? Okay. it with my lips, personally. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, it, they kind of kind of float on the top. Ah, That's okay. So, like, you kind of conceive it with your you know lips as you're drinking. But, um, yeah, typically what you do is you light them. Um, if they're in shot glasses, it warms it up. You don't, you don't want to flame it too much, break the glass or lose <laughs> all your alcohol for that matter. Um, and then you, and then you take the shot. So, um, and it, it's, it's a nice warming kind of drink. So there you go. Mm. <laughs> um, was I supposed to tell another story? I think I've run out of stories that I'm willing to tell. <laughs> I know a lot about different alcohols, but <laughs> that's another one of them. I know the weirdest thing I've ever seen in terms of alcohol, and I did not drink it, um, was the snake wine in oh, Taiwan. Oh. Well, I, yeah, I, I saw it, I think, originally in Vietnam, but yeah, in Taiwan as, as well. Um, and just, yeah, it's just the, cre- I mean, it's it was all over Southeast Asia when I was there. Um but yeah, it's just creepy. It's creepy, yucky, couldn't imagine. I mean, okay, I'm being judgy, sorry. Um, but I already don't like snakes. Mm. I don't want I don't want to drink anything with it in it. And it's it kind of takes that whole like worm in the tequila way too far. Um but yeah, we had a number of, when I was sailing with semester at sea, we had a number of students trying to bring it back on the ship. And needless to say, um, it's most of them are, it, most of the forms of snake wine are illegal to bring back to the U.S. So not to mention it's icky. <laughs> you know what we're talking about, right, Emily? Yes, I do. I actually haven't seen them like in person, but I, I've looked at pictures online and I don't like that. I don't want to try that. <laughs> Well, not yeah. only that, but they would also in Taiwan. I don't. It, I believe it was Taiwan where they would do the snake blood shots. Yeah. Ooh. Like, did you see that? I that? oh yeah, I saw it. Did not once again. Did not do it. But basically, for those of you who really want to listen or put earmuffs on, I mean, they'll hang a snake and you're in a stall out in the open. They hang a snake by its tail, slit it down the belly, drain some blood, throw in a little mystery drink. It could be that clear, that, that white milky stuff from, from the <laughs> oh, story. No, um, no. And then you're supposed to do the shot. It's supposed to give you, you know, vitality. I mean, clearly not for the snake. Uh, it, it's just wrong on so many levels. Oh, I yeah. think that I, I really, I try to be like culturally sensitive but it, I, most of the people I saw doing it weren't weren't didn't appear to be locals. They were a whole bunch of white people coming through the the night market. Yeah, I mean, I've actually seen this before in mm-hmm. person. Um, and yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fan. Mm-mm. I'm not. Um, I've when I was a kid, my mom took me to the night market there, and she's like, "You guys see this?" And they you know, eviscerated a live snake. And, and anyways, uh, it's, 
I, it's my culture and I don't get it. <laughs> so, and then of course the snake in a bottle. No, that's, that's my culture. And that's not, I don't like yeah. that either. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a vis- very visual, like eater, drinker kind of person. So mm-hmm. that's no, that's a no go for me. For yeah, sure. <laughs> in general, I don't like to eat things that look like what they looked like when they were alive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, you know, I'll eat a lobster, but you kind of look like what you would look like alive, just a different color. You know, it's like, I need my, I need one separate, um, you know, I'm a first worlder. I like to have my food um, one degree separated from death. <laughs> Very true. All right. All right. <laughs> any more stories just on alcohol in general i have a fun experience i kind of put my i wanted to sandwich my scary one in the middle um <laughs> my fun one was when i went to portland oregon a couple years ago and my friend and i did a brew cycle tour so <gasps> super fun um they have variations of this i think you said in san diego too zen they have it in a couple different like big kind of brewery spots like cities in the i wouldn't say i don't know in the world but at least in this country it's a thing um but basically the idea is you pay money to sit on this contraption that's basically this big table um that instead of regular seats, there's bike pedals. And then it's a big, gigantic bicycle that like eight or 10 people will help bike um, through what are this. What's called? There's a word there for those, word like, for multi, like multi person bicycle kind Slurries? of thing. Anyway. Something like that. Yeah. Oh. Surreys, I think. Yeah. Surreys. Take surreys because usually surreys, you're kind of just, there's no table between everyone. So just take that concept and then add a table where everyone is faced. Yeah, in the middle. Add a table in the middle where everyone faces each other. Yeah. Uh, yes. And then there's, of course, the sur- it has like that canopy, like the little roof on top. Um, so the idea is that obviously you pay like 30 ish dollars uh, a seat and you sit. And there's an option if you don't want to pedal. The back part is just a bench with no pedals attached. So you could just sit and let everyone else carry your weight. (laughs) But so in Portland, it was really fun. They chose like three breweries, I think. Of course, there's a ton to in Portland that you can go to on your own. But I think for the purposes of the tour, they only took us to three. Um, And then, then they... You don't have to drink if you don't want to. You can just pay to bike around the city. Um, and then at each brewery, you can pay an additional cost for your pint or half a pint or however much you want to drink. Um, what they don't tell you or what is not, I guess, shown on the website is the height requirement, kind of. So I am just below 52. I like to tell people I'm 52, but I'm not. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I could it was like really hard to reach the pedals because I would have to sit at the very edge of the seat and then like really like I was basically stand standing and biking at the same time if 
that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it wasn't that comfortable. So I kind of just gave up after the first or second brewery we stopped at because, well, I had, I was a little bit inebriated and also it was just too much work. Um, but what was really nice about our group is it was probably three or four additional groups, but the biggest group was this bachelor party of like pretty burly men. It was really funny. Um, like four or five of them really burly men from Canada and they hauled the rest of us. They were so, they were just on it. They were basically the, pulling the entire group they carried us all on their shoulders it was it was amazing because i don't think if it was like anyone any other like regular normal type of group we would have been going so slow because you take you take normal roads like normal city roads they don't have special brew cycles like sidewalks or anything you're like in the road with cars trying to drive around you um so it's a fun experience for sure um and you get to meet people from around the world who have just, you know, found themselves in Portland, Oregon. It was really fun. Oh, and our tour guide, she asked us what kind of music we liked to listen to. So we were bumping like Destiny's Child and uh, NSYNC and (laughs) and it was really fun. Great 90s hits while we were just cycling through Portland, Oregon. Oh my gosh. I remember seeing that with the last time I was in Portland and I thought about it and then I'm like, hmm. I don't know. I'm not, and like you, I'm not that tall. So, yeah. thank you so much. but I, you know, the place that I absolutely love in Portland is McMenamin's. Ooh. Um, there are just I, so many of them because I mean, they, what they do, I don't know if you visited them on your tour. Um, I, we could have, I don't remember where we visited to be honest. You would, you would know it if you did, because what they okay. do is they, they would buy, they would invest in these like historic places that are run down and then build them up, but with a bar or a hospitality focus to it. So one of their famous ones is Kennedy School. Oh, and so it's literally oh. An old school. I read about it. Yeah, and there. I mean, there's. They took the gym and made it. I think into a movie theater. Yes. Yeah, but they did that with so many different places, and um, and so there's that novelty, that commitment to the you know, his, history. They've got a ton of them all over Washington State, Oregon. Um, my husband and I had done, like, I think we hit seven in a day, because but we drove all over Oregon. And this is, I mean, back in 2006, no, it was 2008. And we thought, gosh, wouldn't it be nice if we, at the time we had an old VW van, we're like, we should give tours of this. <laughs> I went back four years later and people were giving tours. I'm like, dang, my idea. But they have a stout that they would make a chocolate milkshake with it. And I swear mm. it was my, my stomach leapt for joy. Like every time I'm like, if these were like zero calorie, I would just live on <laughs> and their, their IPAs were good, but it, just, it was just like a fun, every time I visited any McMenamin's super cool. Okay. Definitely on my short list. Once I go back to Portland, Oregon, cause yeah, I think we, I, we were reading about things to do. Um, and that came up, but I think it just didn't work with our schedule, but definitely it was super cool. I, I definitely wanted to check that out. Have you ever had belching beaver, uh, peanut butter milk stout? <gasps> yes. Yes. So good. So, so surprisingly in, good. In San yes. Diego, if you have a chance, there is a brewery called belching beaver. And they make a peanut butter milk stout. And if you're ever in San Diego, you have to give this stuff a try. Um, 
That's the other thing is, I don't know if this is typical of a zoo, but San Diego, I if you look it up, the San Diego Zoo is always rated like the top 10, if not top five mm-hmm. zoos in the whole nation. But at the same time, they have, they serve alcohol. So if that's another place to have, it was a great time. That's where I had my first peanut butter milk stout. It's just, it's nothing like walking around a beer with a beer and what and they serve sake oh what bringing it full circle bringing it full circle yeah they serve they like have sake tastings they have um so i mean it's a lot of fun just to have a leisure afternoon drinking a little wine or having a beer and um walking around the zoo so that's a great place to drink (laughs) i know it's a straight i mean i never put the two together before but um, yeah, that's that's it. Uh, that's one of uh, that's a great place to have a few beers. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna close with one story. Mm-hmm. I, I probably told this the last time, but this is such a good story. Um, in Columbus, Ohio, they have a alcohol marathon. They don't put it on every year, um, but it started, I believe, in like 1973, and what the story okay and i tell the story slightly different every single time because i've heard it so many times from so many different people i don't no one knows the exact facts as far as i know but it is a real marathon in 1973 apparently a bunch of friends were like downtown and they needed like they were drinking beer and they they needed I think they was like having a party and it's just like, they needed to get whisk. They wanted some whiskey, but they didn't have a car. And the only place that they could get whiskey from was something like five miles away. And apparently one of the friends was um, a gold medalist in the 1972 Olympics. Okay. <laughs> Talk about choose your drinking buddies. Well. I know. <laughs> So this guy apparently takes a shot and runs five miles away <laughs> to the liquor store, picks up like a fifth of whiskey, and then runs back with this fifth of whiskey. Okay. <laughs> and apparently, I think something like 50%, like tw- it at least has gone on 10 to 25, at least 25 times. So as the years went by to celebrate every year they would start doing this. Um, and more and more and more people started joining this marathon. So you had all these people. Um, and this, then it started out in a bar called Dick's den. So people would go to the bar and, and the rules, the minimum rules was you, you have, I think you have a shot. You make the run to Worthington, um, grab the bottle of whiskey, come back, and then you had to chug a beer, a, a pitcher of beer. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, and whoever, and then there's a winner. Um, the expanded rules. Um, which, <laughs> the expansion pack. <laughs> so there's two sets of rules. That's, that's the official rules for the marathon. There's a secondary set of rules is that you had to take a drink at every bar along the five miles. Oh my. <laughs> I'm definitely so, dead at this point. <laughs> yeah. So the, you know, if you do the typical marathon, people finish that thing in like 
an hour and a half or whatever it takes to run five miles. You know, they do it almost like like a New York marathon speeds. Um, at the end, the drinking kind of gets a little scary because he wants to chug a. I, it would just make me sick. Uh, pitcher of beer. <laughs> um, with the unofficial rules, I've heard it's taken up to three days. <laughs> Whoa, that's a commitment. <laughs> I've actually heard it's taken up to three days to get some of the runners back. So I don't know. <laughs> we're still missing. Oh no. <laughs> we're still yeah, there's someone who started in 1982 and he, has- <laughs> he also doesn't want to be found. <laughs> He's been trying to improve his time ever since. <laughs> I think I can do better. <laughs> so, I've never actually participated, but I've 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 seen it start up in the past. Um, it's it's is a very interesting tradition, and um, <laughs> it's something to behold. So, uh, there you go. <sighs> I believe it was in March during St. Patrick's Day too. It's been a long time since I've lived in Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> which so. would still be cold. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, <laughs> okay. What a tale! I think that's a great one to end on. Zen. <laughs> okay. Um, well, thank you so much for tuning into our drinking podcast for the new year. Um, and while drinking is a great way to socialize, we encourage you to do so in a responsible and safe adult manner. Um, But what did you guys think of the episode? Let us know on our social media channels where you can find photos of our adventures from around the world, interesting articles, and more. Also, if you're newer to our podcast, we don't just talk about topical things. We also talk about a lot of destinations. So check out some of our classic podcasts on Cuba, Taiwan, and Russia, just to name a few. Mios in Paris is a University of California, Irvine. Division of Continuing Education Production. If you need a career boost or looking to increase your workplace knowledge or speaking, uh, seeking a new profession, check them out at ce.uci.edu for their professional courses. Um, thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time in the new year. Like, we're in the new year. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I've been drinking. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.